Praise God. You can be seated. Uh, I have been informed there was some kind of power outage that happened in Arnold today. Wonder of wonders. That almost never happens daily. It happens less than daily. But there is a problem with the streaming. Uh, they are streaming audio, but they are not streaming video. They are recording this service, and it will be archived tomorrow uh, if you're interested. Uh, if anybody checks and wants to know what happened, you can tell them they can watch it tomorrow. It's, you know... The motive behind this message tonight is 100% positive. The motive. The, the motive behind this message is 100% positive. Praise God. So when you hear the title, remember the motive is positive. I'm reading a little bit. Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. Romans 10, beginning with verse 1. And I know you're seated, and I want you seated, because I don't want you to get tired, because I'm reading several verses here, about 15, 20 or so, somewhere in there. Brethren, my heart's desired prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they bear, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word. The word is nigh thee. The word. This is the Greek word, Rhema, not Logos. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is the plan of salvation right there. Oh, no, no, Brother Wright, Acts 2.38. No, that's how you get born again. This is how you stay saved. This wasn't written to un unsaved people. This was written to saved people telling them how to stay saved. Hello? I know it's streaming's not working, but it's a PA system working. Okay. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, who shall believe on him, whosoever shall believe on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's in the word of God. It's true. It's not the plan to get born again. It's the plan how to live victorious every day. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. That's not talking about physically running into some tower. It's talking about how to exercise faith. How then, verse 14, how then shall they call on him, him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, or Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Not the Logos, but by the rhema of God. And so I am, I am teaching on this subject tonight, or treaching. That's teaching with volume. I am, this is the subject, atrophied faith. Sunday night, I experienced something I never thought I would experience of Antioch before. I experienced atrophied faith. The definition of the word atrophy is gradual decline in effectiveness or vigor due to underuse or neglect. I'm not talking about faith to come to church and do whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about inactive faith. You know, I, I know, I know, I know, I understand that there is some negative aspects to referring to the past. But excuse me, I was there. And I experienced it. And like I said to you the last two Thursday nights, I, I have the people of this church on a pedestal. That's honestly the truth. I, I just, I think you're some of the most spiritual, powerful people that I know anywhere. And uh, occasionally it's disappointing to find out that uh, 
the pedestal is not as full as I had hoped it would be. And I'm not trying to be critical. Honestly, I, I'm desperate to get your attention tonight. That ground out there underneath that tent is littered with unclaimed miracles. Littered, covered, covered with unclaimed miracles. And I've had several days to meditate on this, pray about it, let it sift through my spirit, try to hear what God has to say about it. And, and this isn't exactly what I thought two weeks ago I was going to be talking about tonight. But it's very critical. The reason being is because you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you to believe. And some of us have gotten too mature and too spiritual to believe. We just don't consider ourselves, you ready for this one, gullible anymore. Let me give you an example. Some of you may not have heard this story. But I'll give you an example of why Antioch was able to see 1,585 people pray through in two years. In the middle of all that, it was the fall of uh, 1980. Brother Morell Cornwell was here for a couple of days teaching on home Bible studies. It was a Saturday morning session. And it went past noon. And he simply said, the first 25 people in the altar tonight are going to receive a special blessing. It's all he said. He didn't describe the blessing. He didn't say, he didn't, there was, that was all that was said. He gave no indication what that blessing was going to be, what it was about, nothing. He just said, the first 25 people in the altar this evening are going to receive a special blessing. We, we knocked off around one to come back around six. There were people who did not go home that afternoon. They sat claiming their seats closest to the altar all afternoon. To be the first ones in that altar. There were people that got there at four o'clock thinking they'd be early and found themselves on the fourth and fifth row from the front. Because people had been sitting there that length of time because the man of God said the first 25 people in the altar we're going to receive a special blessing. That's all he said. And the bill, it was crammed. At seven o'clock, at six o'clock, you could not get in the building. The building was crammed. But then Jacob, I mean Richard Bishop, the supplanter, the scheming, conniving believer 
He's not here. I'd say it with him here. He knows it's true. He didn't get there till six o'clock. He sat on the back row. That was all that was left. He's sitting there. We've only got, we've, we've maxed out this little building we own. We could only use it for off services. We couldn't have Sunday morning, Sunday night there. It was a Saturday evening. It's tram. There's only a center aisle. We run chairs all the way up against the wall on both sides. There's only a center aisle. When Brother Cornwell said that, 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 that day, I shook my head. He said, what did I do? I said, you have no idea what you've just done. Well, what did I do? I said, just wait and see. You see, I had it set up with him. Because I understand this Jacob business. That he was going to give me a signal when he was ready to give the altar call. And I was going to be the first one in the altar. (laughs) Because I believe too. So he's in the pulpit. I'm sitting right here. And I'm waiting and I'm ready. Right? Brother Cornwell's teaching. And God's moving. And all the way in the back, without waiting for an altar call, Jacob, I mean Richard, got up and started toward the front. And I'm paralyzed. The man of God's not finished preaching or teaching yet. I don't want to interrupt him. But here comes Richard. And I'm thinking, oh God. It was like a wave. The people in the back half of the building, they looked and it didn't register on their minds what he was doing. But when the people in the fourth and fifth row Caught out of the corner of their eye, Richard moving. The last people to know what was going on was the people that had been sitting there all day on the front row. The first clue they had was people diving over their heads. Literally. I Were you there? Am I telling the truth? It's true. People in the third, fourth, and fifth row went straight forward. And all from wall to wall in that building, bodies were stacked on top of each other like cordwood all the way across. I never moved. He stopped preaching and looked at me and said, what just happened? I said, what do you mean just happened? Don't you remember what you said? We're not talking about a bunch of simpletons. We're not talking about a bunch of kids. That was the backbone of this church. People had absolute faith. The man of God says it. It's going to happen. And we're not going to be left out. 
But somewhere, some of us grew up and decided we weren't going to be that gullible, meaning we gave up faith because we don't work it anymore. And our faith has now become atrophied. I don't know what I did in this elbow, but about four or five months ago, I strained a ligament and I kept waiting for it to get better. And I put off going to the doctor and it, it was hurting. And then the other day, this elbow started hurting. And about four months ago, I went to the doctor. I'd been having pain in his hip for a couple of years. And he did an MRI, said I got arthritis. And it's only a matter of time till I have a hip replacement. And uh, that was four months ago. And I said, never going to happen. It's not going to happen. I will not be having a hip replacement. Did you have a word? Not yet, but I believed one was coming. How's your hip, brother, right? I don't know, but I know how my faith is. How are your elbows doing, brother, right? That's not the question. How's my faith doing? Am I believing my symptoms? Or am I believing the man of God and the word of God? When's the last time your faith has produced any results of any kind for you? I'm not trying to be unkind here. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to challenge some of you to get out of this rut you in. Because you think you're a Christian and your faith's not working at all. Your faith is not being operated at all. At all. Please, please, don't confuse my urgency and my approach trying to communicate urgency and desperation and desire as rebuking or condemning. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to challenge you to wake up. I'm trying to challenge you to ask yourself a question. Is my faith active or is it atrophied? Am I using my faith? Is, is God honoring my faith? Is there anything happening in the realm of faith in my life at all? Am I believing for anything? Am I believing for anything? Let's go, let's go back to some principles first. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, I've taught earlier this year, the mind is the battleground of the, of the soul. Precious ones, please hear me. Struggle as much as you struggle. But don't speak out loud your struggles. Now, I'm not talking about going to someone and saying, I, I need some help. Please help me here. 
Let me share you what's going on. I'm not talking about getting ministry. I'm talking about confessing your doubts. Speaking negatively about what you're going through. Because when you speak, you're exercising faith. Oh, no, no. Oh, yes, you are. When you speak doubt, that's your faith. When you speak fear, that's your faith. When you speak confusion, that's your faith. When you speak struggle, that's your faith. I'm not talking about getting ministry. I'm talking about complaining and murmuring. That's your faith. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why the tongue is the unruly member that sets things on fire, good or bad. Matthew chapter 12, beginning verse 33. Either make the tree good or his fr- and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now listen to the context. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? So this, this good fruit, this bad fruit is talking about what I say. Listen. O generation of vipers, how, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Oh, I was just kidding. I tell you what, I understand getting frustrated with your kids, and I was far from a perfect dad. But let me tell you something. You say to your child, regardless of their age, whether they're 2 or 22, what's wrong with you? Can't you ever do anything right? What are you, stupid? You speak that stuff. You speak, I don't care how frustrated you are. Correct, but correct positively. Deal with the action, not the person. This is not acceptable behavior. That's not an acceptable attitude. But you don't say or imply you're not acceptable. Because when you make it personal to that person, you're speaking. Do you know the word curse is not the same thing as profanity? There's a lot of cursing that goes on in the body of Christ. Because we speak, when you speak negatively about something, you just cursed it. What's wrong with this car? Won't it, why won't it ever run? Hope you got a good credit card. You got some bills coming your way. Oh, brother, right? You, that's being ridiculous. No. If I'm being ridiculous, you just call the word of God ridiculous because this is what the Bible teaches. Because what comes out of your mouth 
is coming out of your heart. And, and listen to this. Verse 35, Matthew 12. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idled, idle rhema, every idle word, every idle rhema that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. <laughs> Listen to this now, okay? Okay, it's here. The word idle means inactive, unemployed, by implication, lazy or useless. So what, what, what is that saying? What's it saying? Every idle rhema. God gives you a promise. And you leave it either idle because you don't confess it or you actually speak negatively against it. You have just made that word from God inactive, unemployed. You and I are going to be held accountable for every attempt God has made to speak the word of faith in our lives. And we either rejected it or just neglected it. And from the grand scheme of things in God, they're one and the same. Neglecting and rejecting are exactly the same thing. It's unused. It's unemployed. It's an inactive word of faith. Listen to this, verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. The same God that numbers every hair on your head records every word you speak. If you can't speak faith, don't speak at all. Why? Because what you speak is faith. And if I can keep from speaking it, then maybe there it really isn't my faith. But if I'm so frustrated I can't help myself and I spew out words... Matthew 15, verse 10. He said, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defileth, this defileth a man. Matthew 15, verse 18, verse 17. But do not ye be, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. We got that thing out there in the foyer out there. That foyer you get you clean your hands up because of all these dirty hands you've shaken hands with tonight. You would be better off to skip that and go just lick your hands off with your tongue, go into your car. It would do you best, less damage. 
than the stuff we idly say. You know what? If I really believed the preacher of the church was the problem, I'd find myself someplace to pray. I'd fast and pray and say, God, help the man of God. Lord, help the church. Lord, Jesus, save the church. But when people don't fast and pray and they're complaining about the church, it's nothing but a smoke screen to, to blind themselves to their own problems so they can live in denial. Because people with faith, they don't complain, they pray. They pray. They believe the word of God. They want to see things turned around. And they don't turn around by gossip or complaining or being critical. They turn around through fasting and prayer. So we reveal exactly what our real attitude is. By whether or not we pray rather than complain. Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answering saith, answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Listen now, this is really specific. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. This isn't self-deception. This, this isn't some name it and claim it, blab it and grab it deal. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. Then he explained how to have faith in God. Have faith in God. I believe in casting cares. Absolutely. It is the daily practice of my life. Casting cares. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You and I are called because we have his name on us and his spirit within us. That makes us the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we are called to be a conduit for the word of God is purposed in heaven to be fulfilled in the earth. Somebody's got to hear it. Believe it, speak it into existence. That's our role in the kingdom. And whether, oh God, woo, Jesus. Why do you think God lets bad stuff come into our lives, personally? Because if he can't get us to care about others enough, hopefully we'll care about ourselves enough to learn how to exercise faith. So therefore, we can exercise our faith for ourselves and find out that faith works and that God will do it. Then the hope that Lord has is that once I learn that faith works, I will turn that around and use it for the kingdom. 
where it doesn't benefit me. It doesn't have to benefit me anymore. I now know that this works. This is truth. God will do it. And so now, rather than continuing to be focused on myself, now I'm using the principles and God is trusting me to be a conduit and he gives me rhema and I speak rhema. Brother Brown, how much have you and your wife walked the streets of Robinwood in the last 10, 12, 15 years, however long it's been? Huh? But I'm talking about just walking the streets of Robinwood, doing visitation. A lot. Well, there is a word that says, it's in the book someplace. That wherever the soles of your feet are planted, I'll give it to you. So it doesn't matter what the police blotter says. It doesn't matter what the newspaper says. Lord, you said, wherever I put the soles of my feet, you're going to give this to me. I claim this entire neighborhood for you. Every house, every person lives here. Everybody you're not going to save, Lord, move them out of here. Because I claim this neighbor, I've walked these streets, Lord. I've knocked these doors, Lord. This is where my feet have been put. Somebody need, you guys have had a lot of people walk a lot of places in the city. Somebody needs to be walking around progressively larger, larger blocks around that building up there. Because we have a word. It's not out for a stroll. Lord, you said, wherever I put the soles of my feet, you're going to give it to us. What, you have to be a preacher to do that. Can you show me that in the book? What about your neighborhood? What about the hallways you walk at work or at school? Is it easier just to blend in? And, you know, let, let, let's don't get too involved in this faith stuff because you might have to die out a little bit for it to work. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up faith. Where's the faith of Antioch? Let me tell you the problem is if you've ever had faith and now it's atrophied, or you start trying to exercise, you get tired really quick. Most of you don't know this is because it's not something I talk about a lot, but Jacob's got a hip out of joint and I've got a paralyzed shoulder blade. On the morning of December the 4th, 1968, I woke up with a pain in my shoulder in between my spinal cord and my shoulder blade. I was supposed to fly that day. I was hurting really bad. It was a Friday. I walked, I walked into sick bay 
to see the flight surgeon. How many of you need definitions for that? I went into the clinic to see the doctor. And because guys that weren't ready to fly would claim to be sick, if they couldn't see that your arm was broken or you had a, your eyes were crossed from a big knot on your head, they thought you were faking it. And I said, sir, I don't know what's wrong, but I hurt really bad. Yeah, you can see pain, so you can't. He couldn't see the pain. He said to me, well, I can give you a cortisone shot. I knew what he was doing. He was trying to bluff me. I said, sir, if you've got anything you can do to help my, help me with this pain, I would appreciate it because I'm hurt. So he goes through the process of getting together that cortisone and getting it all uh, ready to go for the shots, waiting for me to say, no, 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 I, I think I'm all right. No, uh-uh. I took my shirt off and looked him straight in the eye. And he kind of gulped a little bit. I turned my back to him. And he gave me two cortisone shots between my spinal column and my shoulder blade. And he sent me home. And I was hurting so bad. I, we had planned to go over and see my mother and father-in-law. And, and we went ahead. My wife drove. We went over. And, and I laid around in the bed all weekend because I was hurt. That, that, those shots didn't do me anything. And I was feeling something funny. Something didn't feel right. So I went back to see the doctor on Monday morning because I'm still hurting. And I show, showed him, I flexed my, my shoulder and that, that shoulder blade flopped out there. His eyes got about this big and he knew he was in trouble because he thought he had caused that with his needle and even with his attitude and I knew it wasn't me personally he was used to guys pulling that stuff even with his attitude I decided to spare him I said sir you didn't cause this you could see him visibly exhale and almost pass out he was so relieved put me on limited duty couldn't fly couldn't work went to therapy for one full year, five days a week, they sent me to the Naval Hospital in the af early afternoon and I'd lay on a table and they'd put electrodes right off my spinal column and on the outside of the shoulder blade and it would exercise those muscles because they didn't want the muscles to atrophy while they were hoping the nerve would regenerate itself. So I went every day, five days a week, for them to work, work those muscles artificially through electric, electrical stimulus, trying to keep the muscles from atrophying. And they finally stopped because it didn't change, and they medically retired me. And I have a right-winged scapula. I know about atrophied muscles. I knew that I couldn't do the stuff I used to do anymore. I couldn't get my upper arm any farther away from my rib cage than that. Ten years. 
The reason being is because the muscles that hold the muscle group holds the shoulder blade against your rib cage to give the shoulder leverage to be able to push the arm up like this. It is physically impossible for me to do this. It's physiologically impossible for me to do this. There are no muscles left. The shoulder blade still paralyzed. I was in church one night about 10 years after it happened. With my hands up praising the Lord, suddenly realized. Literally, literally, just like that. You, you're not supposed to be, be there. You're not, you can't be there, see. They don't know how I can do that. They can't explain it. They stop trying. Because when they don't have explanations, they don't like you. They want to get rid of you. So they got tired of me coming in and raised my arm. When my shoulder was obviously paralyzed. Or had part of my colon late taken out, laid up in the bed for about five months before, during, and after. Some of you have experienced the same things, if not worse. Inactivity causes muscles. You lose muscle mass. You lose strength. It's not easy to get it back. Faith is just like that. You don't use it. It atrophies. And then you try to use it and it feels so weak. It feels weak. It feels strange. When you haven't been able to do something for a while and, and you have been, you, 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 maybe you got an, your arm's been in a sling for six weeks or whatever it is. And then, and then you start trying to use that arm and, And it doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel right. It's not working right. And so what we do is, because it's not convenient, then we quit trying to exercise it and get it back into shape. You're not waiting on God. Hear me, Antioch. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you to believe. You're not waiting on him in your personal life. You're not waiting on, waiting on him in the ministry you're a part of. You're not waiting on him in this church corporately. He's waiting on you to have some faith. He's waiting on you to exercise some faith. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about not just saying it to see if it'll work. But saying it and knowing it will work even if you don't see it happen when you say it. 
knowing absolutely that what you said is going to come to pass. And it doesn't make any difference. When I agreed to come to Annapolis, the first week of September 1970, I, God gave me a vision of a large white church building sitting on a four-lane highway outside of Annapolis. It's now been 45 years and a couple of months. That building has still never been built. Ask me if I believe it's going to be. With every fiber of my being. Ask me if I believe there's going to be a hundred thousand members to this church. With every fiber of my being. And here's what unbelief says. How? That's unbelief. Because faith knows I don't have to know how. And the moment I ask how, I'm proving I don't believe it. Well, that's kind of simple-minded, brother, right? Isn't that kind of being foolish? What did God give us a brain for? Well, obviously to get in the way of faith. Because that's what most of us are using our brains for. Our brain is getting in the way of faith. Because if we can't see it, we don't believe it. Really? Really? I'm so happy to be alive today. Because that little argument is so totally bogus now. When's the last time you saw a picture you knew is absolutely what, exactly what it looked like? When the picture was taken. That what the picture was taken of is exactly what... The picture looks like. You can get free apps and cheap apps. Dollar. Two dollars. And fix even your pictures taken on your phone. Anybody see the picture? Of that bright bright red fiery cloud that was over the tent I took and posted? Hey folks, it didn't look like that. I got an app. That brings out the color and makes it look, it was nice and red, but it didn't look like that. That picture wasn't, wasn't what I took a picture of. The camera made it look better. Well, I don't believe anything except what I can see. Then you are sure desiring to be fooled today, aren't you? Because what you're seeing, you can't rely on. And I'm so happy we're in that day and time. Because anybody that says they don't believe anything except what they see, they've just admitted they'd prefer to be duped. Ladies all over this country look at magazine covers. And I don't mean dirty magazine covers. Just magazine covers of these cover girls. And foolishly compare themselves to what that picture looks like. Hey, I got news for you. She doesn't look like that either. She doesn't look like that. They couldn't sell magazines with her on the cover looking like she really looks. 
So therefore, if I have faith, I don't have to see to believe. I have to hear to believe. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the rhema of God. First Timothy 1.18 says this. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. The good fight of faith of 1 Timothy 6.12 is the time between receiving the word or the promise and seeing it manifested. That's when you fight the good fight of faith. You know, I've had some really good days since Sunday with this hip. I've had a couple of times where it's kind of caught me a little bit. What does that have to do? Absolutely nothing. I'm getting a new hip and I'm not having a hip replacement. End of story. How do you know that? Because God said it. I was in the place Sunday night. I heard the word. I didn't just hear the word. I heard the word. I received the word. I claimed the word. And I'm still claiming the word every day. Hey, hey. He said everybody in the place was going to get healed. He said the Lord said everybody in the place was going to get healed. I, you, if you want to stay here a while, I'll read you all the scriptures that I've written down where it happened in the book. And not just through Jesus' ministry, but through the early church's ministry, there were times that everybody present got healed. After church, Brother Ron Richards texted me. He said, Brother Rod, I couldn't be there. This walker doesn't work under that tent but I heard the word I claimed the word and I walked without a walker tonight for the first time since I had my stroke hey what if you go to his house tomorrow and he's using the walker does that mean he quit believing no no Excuse me. Mark me any way you want to mark me. My wife and I were able to, I finally got well enough to visit Andrew uh, Nielsen. He can't have sick people around him, and I've been sick for weeks. Head cold and all that stuff. We're sitting there, and I said, what are those doctors going to do when those two kidneys they left start working? He's got three kidneys right now. You know that? The transplanted kidney, and they left the two that aren't working. I said, what are they going to do? See that? Look at this. Look, see. I don't care if you believe it or not. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. I've never believed this condition he's got was permanent. In my spirit, I've never believed it was permanent. It doesn't have to be fixed today for me to believe that. It doesn't have to be fixed tomorrow for me to believe that. It doesn't have to be fixed in five years from now to believe, believe that. I believe it. 
I believe it. Poor old Dylan. Poor old Dylan. I'm talking to you, Dylan Nielsen. Poor, yeah. Poor old Dylan. It's not, you don't have it as bad yet, but you know, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? That's what you're told, isn't it? Just a matter of time. I, I, I want to know what you believe. What do you believe, Dylan? Yes, my wife and I went through chemo and she went through surgery. Well, where was your faith? We were doing exactly what we were told to do. Chemo and surgery doesn't take away from the fact that the doctors can't explain how she's in the condition she's in right now. They can't explain it. When the oncologist says, my medicine didn't do this, God did this, it's kind of hard not to believe that God was involved. You don't add to the word, you don't take away from the word, but you believe what the word says. What did the word say? You see, that's our problem. Our, for many of us, we believe the lie. And the lie is that miraculous and instantaneous are synonymous things. That for something to be a miracle, it's got to happen miraculous, it has to happen instantaneously. That precious boy that comes sits up here in that wheelchair. There will be a day. There will be a day. There will be a day. When? Not my problem. The only thing that's required of me is to believe it. Why? He was there Sunday night. And the man of God said, God said, everybody here is going to get healed. You know what our problem is? We want it to happen in front of us for our entertainment. You think it's going to matter to him whether it happens in this corner or he wakes up one morning and all of a sudden arms and legs begin to be able to be used that he couldn't use before? You think that's going to matter to him? I got another question. You think that's going to matter to God? Just because something is not instantaneous doesn't mean it's less miraculous. Well, why would God do it like that? You ever heard of the good fight of faith? 
I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but in, in a very real sense, faith is like a muscle. There has to be resistance. You have to put that muscle under load if you want it to get stronger. It's got to be under load. But you see how strong I am. You see this bottle cap? Watch this. You're not very impressed, are you? Why? You're going, that's ridiculous. That's no load. Yeah, it is. My arm's a load. No. No. See, that's our problem. We want miracles without anyone needing the miracle. Lord, why am I going through this? They send a message. Lazarus is sick. He just keeps on going, ignores him. Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. I know. Why aren't you doing something about it? Because this is for the glory of God. He's not sick unto death. Oh, guess what? The word came, he's dead. No, that's what was said. He was dead. Was he dead? I guess by man's definition, he was dead. But because the word of God says he wasn't dead, it was only a matter of time till he and the word of God got in harmony. Where's the faith of Antioch at? Where's your faith at? When's the last time you believed for something? If When it didn't come to pass the first day. Didn't come to pass the second day. Didn't come past the seventh day. Didn't come to pass the first month. But you're just as strong in faith on the end of the first month as you were when you heard it. Because you know God said it. When he does, it's not my problem. How many of you have a promise for lost loved ones being saved? But because things look worse than they did, you quit, you quit claiming it. You quit confessing it. You quit believing it. Because instead of them looking more saved, they're looking and acting more lost. That's not how faith operates. I was five years old. My dad was away at the Korean War. The church we attended had old wooden theater style seats they had bought from someplace. You ever try to be a kid and sleep on a theater seat? You gotta kinda back yourself into the seat and wrap your back of your legs around one arm and then I had my head up around and it was Somehow I got all twisted up so I could get my head on my mother's lap. And I'm laying there asleep. And the Holy Ghost started moving and I woke up. 1951. I woke up. And a a, a lady preacher was walking back and forth across the platform. She held a microphone in her right hand and she had a cast on her right arm. It was started just below her elbow. It was all the way down through her wrist and hand. And she was walking back and forth across that platform, swinging her arm like this. And she was saying Jesus was coming. And it was thundering in the spirit in that place. I'm five years old. I remember it as if I was there this moment. Jesus is coming. 
I don't know why it never dawned on me that I wasn't lost because I wasn't lost at five. I prayed my first prayer. I don't ever remember praying before then, but I prayed that prayer. And I prayed for my dad who was lost away at the Korean War. I prayed. I prayed so hard, so much tears and other stuff coming out of my nose. I completely soaked my mother's skirt. And I remember thinking, I've ruined her skirt, but it doesn't matter because Jesus is coming. And I prayed for God to save my dad. That was 1951. But over on Windsor Avenue, the last Sunday of December, 1979, the Lord answered that prayer. 1951 to December, the last Sunday of December, 1979, God answered that prayer. He didn't answer it overnight. He didn't answer it a short amount of time, but He answered it. There were days... That wasn't the first time I'd ever prayed for my dad to receive the Holy Ghost. There were a couple of services I had preached in. He'd come to hear me preach. And I, I pressed him a little bit and prayed. And he prayed okay, but it never happened. But that night, that night, something was different. There were times, yes, there were times, when I just couldn't, I couldn't get the, 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 the mental image inside. I couldn't get the, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see him saved. All I saw him doing was smoking the rest of his life and, and, and not living for God the rest of his life. That's all I could see. And I refused to voice it. Because I prayed and I knew God heard me. The last Sunday of December, 1979. Oh, what was it that happened in 80 and 81? What was that? The two years of revival? Last Sunday of December 1979, God answered the first prayer I ever prayed. Answered it. With it within a year, he had his local license. Within two years, he was pastoring. And he pastored till the last day of his life, just about. I'm going down in August. And preach in the church that he pastored when he passed away. I'm not taking anything away from that pastor. He loved my, that, that man loves my dad, loved my dad. But my dad, mom's ministry in that town, that a church had a bad reputation. There were preachers come through there and acted like idiots. And my, my dad had grown up in that town and, and, and people respected him and he knew, they knew he was a good man, a man of character. And he'd go to the pulpit with an oxygen cannula on, but he never preached with it on. He'd be all huffing and puffing just trying to go about his day. But when he got in the pulpit, he'd take that thing off and he wouldn't huff and puff for air the whole time he was under the anointing. And when he quit preaching, he'd have to put it back on. And he preached like that up to within the last few days before he died. And they didn't see a lot of results. But the whole attitude of that town changed toward that church. And that church that was only running about 20 or 25 when my dad died. The man that my dad 
appointed to take over when he was no longer the pastor. That church is now running over 300. Get this. They had this little building that, was, that had been there forever, and it was a mess. And uh, there was an Assembly God church in town. I mean, this town, it doesn't have a re- regular red light. It's a blinking light. That's the only light in the town, okay? This town had, there was an Assembly God church that had uh, seven, that, that seating for 700. Beautiful new building, beautiful building. In fact, it's right across the street from my grandfather's property where my dad was raised. That church had a fuss. It was a split. The great majority of that church moved about eight miles away, built another building, and left a bunch of old folks there, and they couldn't take care of it. They called up Brother Barra and said, would you be willing to take this church over if we gave it to you? It was debt-free. Beautiful brick, 700-seat auditorium. And all it cost them was $64 to register the deed. Miracle after miracle, God's performed. He's no respecter of persons, brothers and sisters. It has nothing to do with where you're from. It has nothing to do with if you with what how far you went in school or how much money you've got. It has nothing to do with culture or anything else. It has other everything to do with faith, faith, faith. When's the last time you claimed that the, the 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 families living on your street? When you drove by their house, Lord, I claim this family. I claim this family for you. I claim this family for you. When's the last time you claim your coworkers? When's the last time you refused to, to get all up in your kids' face because they were acting stupid and stood, you got up in God's faith and said, oh Lord, I gave this child to you. That child was dedicated to you. An oil was put on this child's head and hands were laid on his head and I dedicated this child to you father and I don't care how he or she is acting right now I believe you God I believe you're going to save my child when's the last time you prayed that way when's the last time you confessed that when's the last time When's the last time you believed that? i say it again. Do you know why God lets you go through crisis? So that something will matter enough to you that you will pray and learn how to use faith so that you will believe that faith works so He can then use you in faith for other things and other people in the kingdom. Well, I prayed for some things God didn't do. Yeah. And whenever my good God, my heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, doesn't do what you've asked Him to do in faith, there's always a really good reason. And you may not know it in this life, but there is. And that's part of trust. But you hear me right now. Some of you prayed and prayed and prayed. Somebody that live and they didn't. I got one question for you. 
did God ever say to you he was going to heal them and they weren't going to die? Did he ever say that word to you? Did you have a right to pray like you prayed? Absolutely. Did you have a right to believe like you believed? Absolutely. But faith comes by hearing. Hearing by rhema of God. And you can pray and believe and it's all good. But if you didn't get a word and it doesn't happen, God didn't fail. God didn't fail. We're living in a world that the church is either going to close up shop and hide out trying to protect itself from the attitudes and attitudes and the treatment of this world. Or there's going to be somebody who rises up and say, hey, wait a minute. It's not how much money political action committees have. It's not the, the, the political bent of the commentators and the news media. I have a relationship with God. And I'm a child of God. And he can use me to speak what he wants to happen. They don't ever have to know where it came from because that's not the point. Some of you heard me tell this story before. Some of you may have read it. I think it was like 1980. Reader's Digest did a survey to find the, the friendliest city in America. And they were a little bit shocked. It came back solidly. Rochester, New York. Ten years later, they decided to do another survey. They were really shocked this time. The survey came back. The friendliest city in America is Rochester, New York. They sent some uh, writers and reporters from Reader's Digest up to Rochester to find out what was going on. And this is what they were told by the longtime people from Rochester. This whole attitude and spirit of this city is a direct product of prayers prayed and a revival that was had by Charles Finney and his prayer partner over a hundred years ago. Charles Finney had a prayer partner named, I don't know why they called him Father Nash, but it's what he was called. When Charles Finney would feel directed that he was going to go someplace and focus on that place for a while, he would, he would support Father Nash to go and get a hotel room and just pray. Weeks, months before brother, before Charles Finney could get there. Pray, pray. And then when Charles Finney was directed to go, he would go join Father Nash. They wouldn't put up posters. They didn't knock doors. They just prayed. They prayed until conviction started to fall in that city. And when conviction fell in that city, because they prayed and let God use them to shake the foundation of that city, History says the bars, the saloons closed. The dance halls closed. The theaters, I don't mean movie theaters, but the theaters closed. The jails started getting emptier and emptier because people weren't committing crime and weren't getting arrested. And people would fall down on the street in tears and pray and repent to God because conviction for their sins would come on them so strong. 
Is there anybody in the earth today that really believes that God is the Lord and that he's just looking for someone to work through? There's a saying I've heard many times. The world is yet to do to see what God could do through just one person totally committed to him. The world is yet to see what God could do through just one person totally committed to him. Atrophied faith. I'm not upset with you. I feel bad for you. Some of you came in that tent sick, afflicted, and went home sick and afflicted. Oh, it was just hype. He was just trying to hype us up. That's why I took the the risk of standing up and, and relieving the man of the mic for a few minutes, trying in desperation to get across to those that were present. I trust this man. If he said God told him to say that, I believed it. There was a bunch of I prayed for. Did I act like I believed it? Oh, yeah. I still believe it. Well, did you pray for yourself? Didn't have to. There was too many other people to pray for. I, I already knew what I was doing. I was claiming what he promised. If I have to come in here five years from now on crutches because this hip won't work, hear me right now. You hear what I'm telling you. Am I against hip replacements? No, there's people here that them. There's nothing wrong with them. Not making you, trying to make anybody feel bad, but hear me right now. The word of God Sunday night was everybody in the place. God wants to heal you. Everything wrong with you. You just believe it. Hey, I just got an overhaul. It doesn't matter to me how long any of the individual parts it takes to have to be manifested. I just got prepared to live for a while and function well because God said, God said, no, it's easier just to put up with it and suffer through it, isn't it? There are times that it's the will of God for us to suffer. The scripture says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. That's what the word of God says. But there was, there was an individual that the Lord spoke to me, and I said this to him on Sunday night. I said, the Lord says, you now need a miracle more than you need the suffering. I never heard anything like that in my life. That's what the Lord said to me. You now need to receive a miracle more than you need to continue in whatever benefit God's doing in your life because of the suffering. Brother Wright, what if, what if I legitimately couldn't be there, had a good reason, honest if, if your reason is good enough between you and God, he's okay with that? Then you know what I'd do? 
I'd claim the blessing of those that stayed by the stuff. Yeah. David came home from battle, found his city burning with fire and all the men, all the women and children and all the, 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 their possessions gone. And the Lord said, pursue and you will capture all. But about a third of his army was too tired to travel. So they couldn't go. And when they, the two-thirds with him defeated the people that had captured his, their wives and children and all their stuff, the, a bunch of his guys wanted to keep all that stuff for themselves. He said, no, 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 no. We're giving back the stuff that was taken from those who stayed by the stuff, who could not go forward. I'll tell you this right now, if I wasn't in that service, I'd go, oh, Jesus. I didn't miss because I was just laying out of church. And so I'm claiming the blessing of those that stayed by the stuff. I want my share of that. Jesus, help us. There's a whole lot more to this, but I'm, I'll just, I'm going to close with this. Jesus was walking down the road one day with his disciples. He was hungry. The Bible says he saw a fig tree. And he looked for figs on that tree, even though it wasn't the season for figs. And since in his hunger there were no figs, he simply spoke to the fig tree and said, no man's ever going to eat fruit off you forever. Walked on. There was no visible sign at that moment that anything changed. A few days later, they came back by, and the fig tree was withered up from its roots. And Peter said, look, the fig tree is withered from its roots. So the question is this. When did the fig tree die? Did it die when it looked dead? Or did it die when he said? From the moment he spoke the word, the fig tree was dead even though it still looked alive. So I got a question for you. Did your miracle take place when God said it or when it was mani when it's manifested? This is one of the most basic principles of faith. This is one of the most basic principles of faith. When was the fig tree dead? When God said no man's going to eat from you ever again? Or when they walked by a few days later and they saw the fig tree dead? When did the fig tree die? When is your miracle an accomplished fact? When God said you're healed or when you felt healed? Most of you know Brother McIntyre, our founding district superintendent here in Maryland. He returned from fighting in World War II. He was working in Baltimore. Somebody invited him to church. He got saved in an apostolic church, a little apostolic church downtown Baltimore. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Told he didn't have long to live. He was in church. 
There was a prophet of God and preaching for them that night. The man lined ever said, if you've got any kind of physical problem, line up down the middle. When it came Brother McIntyre's turn, he didn't tell the man what was wrong with him. The man said, you've got stomach cancer, and they haven't given you long to live. But God says you're healed. Brother McIntyre, now, listen now. I'm not. You, you got to do what your faith says. He never went back to the doctor. Never took any more medicine. And he had severe stomach pains for two years after that night. Long after he should have been dead, he was still alive, but he was hurting. And according to his testimony, one morning, a little over two years after that night, he woke up and immediately noticed his stomach didn't hurt anymore. And it never hurt him again. And he's now almost 91, or 92. When was he healed? When his stomach stopped hurting or when God said it? He thanked God every day for his healing. Every day for two years. Lord, you said it. I believe it. I thank you for it. God, you've healed me. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. I thank God for good health insurance, but sometimes that gets in the way, you know? Because sometimes if you couldn't afford it, then maybe you get more desperate. And maybe God would do more miracles. Because it's instead of choosing an easier way we'd receive a miracle from God I, I, I did not just say that anybody that went to the doctor didn't have faith I didn't say that don't go twisting my words I've been to a doctor before I'm sure before all this is over with I will, will have gone to a doctor again nothing wrong with going to a doctor no sin in taking medicine. But the bottom line is this. Who are you going to ultimately trust for your healing? I know the world doesn't understand this, do they? The world thinks we're crazy. Anybody hear what the pastor said? Sunday night, right? About the that education form you guys were filling out. The question was asked, filling out some application for one of the kids at more schooling or something. The question was asked, do you believe in faith healing? And he said what he was expected to do was just stop filling it out right there because if you believe in faith healing, you were no longer qualified to go to that Christian school. Let me tell you something, friend. When the doctor says there's nothing more we can do, you don't have long to live. I don't care what your doctrine is. You're going to start hoping and believing that, that God can heal somebody when the doctor can't do anymore. Jesus' name. 
This is not a gimmick. This is not a ploy. The Lord spoke to me to do this. Antioch, you don't know how critical your faith is to the kingdom. And the adversary is warring against our faith. That's why it's called fighting the good fight of faith. Because the devil puts all this stuff in our brains to try to get us to not believe. Come, Stephen. Those that want to join Stephen, we're going to pray against the spirits that are warring against the faith of this church. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. It's a little bit after 9. You are welcome to go. But we're about to pray against the things that are warring against the faith of this church. You want to come battle with him? You can stay where you are. That's fine. Whenever you're ready, whenever you feel it, son, just pray. In the name of Jesus. Not going to use a microphone. We're just going to pray. This needs to be broken. This needs to be broken in this church. This, the faith of this church needs to, needs to be revived, strengthened, restored. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, wherever you are, it's time to pray. This needs to be broken. This needs to be broken. Five people received the Holy Ghost Sunday night. There were a bunch of people healed. That was just, that was just, that wasn't even an appetizer. That was the first bite of an appetizer. The Lord is ready. The Lord is working. The Lord wants to do things through us. He cannot work through you. He works through your faith. Your faith. Your vibrant, healthy, functioning faith is the conduit through which Jesus works. In the name of Jesus. Come on. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. I understand. Not a problem. But the Holy Ghost told me to end this tonight in prayer against every spirit, every principality and power that wars against the faith of this church. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on, we're going to have victory. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, faith. In the name of Jesus. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, faith. In the name of Jesus. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, faith.
name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's press a little bit. Come on, let's press a little bit. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 We believe you, Father. We believe your word. We believe your promises. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ikatie. Ikie kalarata haya. Ikie kalarata haya. Ila robo koshasa kahaya. Miala robo koshasa haya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Ikatahaya la rata takatie la rana mama mama kahaya. Ikie kala rata la radiela roca bobo kosha sakatahaya. Ikie kala rata haya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Ikatahaya lororororobo korata tababahaya. Yei kihekalarata tatahaya. Hallelujah. 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 Yamana mababa kahaya. Yei. Araba kahasa katahaya hatatahaya. Robo kosasa kahaya. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet and give a shout of victory together in Jesus' name. Come on. Let's give a shout of victory together. Let's give a shout of victory. Let's give a shout of victory in the name of Jesus. Yes! Yes! Ilobo kusaka hataha larataha. Ruye sukie kataha. Labahaya. Labahaya. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's give him praise and thanks. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Itahai. Itahaye. Itahaye. Sikie. Tahatahai. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This is awesome. But the question now comes down to this. What are you going to do when you get home? What are you going to do when you wake up in the morning? Is anything you feel like God's promised you? Anything you're believing for? When's the last time you you claimed it? When's the last time you thanked God for it in advance? When's the last time you did that? Whenever it comes into your mind, every time, every day, you need to give God thanks and glory for it. You need to, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not stopping this. When you're ready to go, you're welcome to. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry. And he said unto me son of man can these bones live and I answered O Lord God thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded and the breath came into them and they lived up upon their feet an exceeding great army in the name of Jesus Christ breath of God come from every direction into this sanctuary right now and breathe fresh life into the faith of every individual into this church and into this church collectively in the name of Jesus. Oh, breath of God, breathe right now in Jesus' name. I speak life into the faith of this church in Jesus' name. I speak life into the faith of this church in the name of Jesus. By the power of your spirit, God, fresh new life in the name of Jesus. 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 In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, according to your word, Lord, let it live. According to your word, let it be revived. Let it be renewed. Let it be active and operating to do what it is you've given it to us to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Fresh life, fresh life, Lord. Fresh life, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 7, verse number 1 says this, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. I don't have time to give you all of it if you don't know it, but they were laid siege and there was a great famine and that things, were, things were horrible. And so Elisha says this in verse number 2, Then a Lord on whose hand... The king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. I know we're used to tongues and interpretation for prophecy, but I've prophesied to you tonight that there will be those who will begin to testify of what God is doing. But there will also be those who will merely be spectators because you did not choose to engage your faith. The question is not whether or not God's going to do something. The only question is whose faith is going to be active in what it is that God is going to do. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant in what it is that God is going to do to do in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Selamando robo kohoye. Ilolobo shataramanda la bahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.